just before I start, I was struck by, I, I remember um, uh, seeing Heidi Baker. Many of you will know who Heidi Baker is if you don't, it doesn't matter. But this purpose, anyway, yeah, you should find out who she is. Um, I remember seeing her once and she got up to speak, and, and just as she was about to speak, she said, um, and there'd been a time, time of worship before, where she said, um, some of you are going right, there's people sitting up straight, you know, getting ready to listen to this amazing speaker. And she said, a lot of you are getting ready now to hear from God. Uh, what you don't realise is you just missed it. Uh, and her point was that worship is just as much, if not more, receiving from God as listening to a nice talk. And it's easy as men, I know a lot of us don't necessarily like engaging and singing and getting involved in um, maybe singing as much as the other half. Um, but I just want to encourage you, just particularly in a safe environment, you know, over this weekend, use worship as an opportunity to engage with God. You know, we, 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 some, of, some of us find it a lot easier to engage intellectually and listen to a nice talk. Um, but don't miss out on, on, on worship because it's, it's where we hear from God. So I've just realised I've done my whole talk in Word, <laughs> and uh, it was, the worst situation is when I touch it, it starts editing it, and I should have saved it in PDF, so hopefully I'm not going to delete it all at once. But anyway, um, if I do, um, so undo, undo. He had a. Three separate churches in three separate towns, 
and on three separate Sundays, the sermon was on Psalm 91. Um, and it got more ridiculous that the third Sunday, we parked in the car park of the church and pulled up next to a car with a big bumper sticker saying Psalm 91. So I started to realise, okay, you know, there's more to hearing from God than just having a nice, a nice word that then reminds us, God's with us, we're going to be okay. Um, that's just an anecdote, and like I say, it was 26 years ago. I ought to have more stories than that. And that's what got me thinking as I was preparing this, is I want to have a, a life full of testimony that I, where I God, where I know God's word for me, um, and it not be a big deal. Right, we're going to Mozambique, we need a word from God. You know, why can't it be I'm going down the road to see my friend, I want a word from God for my friend. Or I want to hear from God today for, for my family. Um, and that brings me to something else, I suppose. Um, usually, I think, if I'm honest, I only try and hear God when I need something. And I think if we're brutally honest with ourselves, that's probably most of us most of the time. We only ask God to speak when we need something, when someone's ill, when we're on a journey, when we need God to speak. And that's what I want to challenge us today, this whole weekend. I want us to think much more broadly about why God would want to speak to us and why we, we would want to hear him. It, 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 it struck me on Wednesday in particular, I went to visit someone in our church um, and he said, oh Mark, I'm glad you're here. You know, I, I need you to pray for a word for me because I want to sell my house. Um, and, and it just struck me that it, it's another example of okay, when we need God, we when, when something big comes up. Um, and I'm learning. But I'd love to learn a bit more. And I'd love to learn a bit more together on a journey this weekend together that we would learn to trust God and listen to God in the ordinary as well as in the crisis. You know, I truly believe that God wants to be in relationship with us to the point where we hear Him speaking all the time, in the ordinary, not just in the crisis. Um, and, it, and it's a real privilege to be here with you guys, and I want to honour Bimby, really, for prioritising listening to God. You know, I, I'm sure most of St Paul's don't realise the amount of time Bimby spends in prayer, the amount of time he spends listening to God. And having spent four years with him, I know the amount of time he spends Sometimes in the middle of the night, he prioritises it for himself, also for the church, and I just want to commend him for it, and I want to encourage us all in it, because it's the key. It's the key to having a relationship with God that is active and full of life. And so that's what I, that's where I want to go this weekend. I want us to look at hearing God. And hearing God in the ordinary as well. Now, I've been inspired to read quite a lot <laughs> in preparation. There's four books that I would definitely recommend. They are of varying quality and uh, length. Do you know what? Pretty much the same. I've said that. The Godfather of Hearing God is Dallas Willard. So if you, if you want a, a decent, meaty book, that is a great book. And I'll, I'll leave them in kind of uh, flip through at any point through the weekend. Dallas Willard, Hearing God. And in fact, all of the other three books mentioned Dallas Willard, so he's obviously the godfather of hearing God. Um, J. 
John Mark Comer is the person that everyone's kind of got into recently, um, and he's written a book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And um, we'll talk a little bit more about that um, probably on Sunday in terms of how to get rid of the distractions that um, that stop us, the things that stop us here. Yeah. And then the other two are actually both from the same uh, church, which is the main road, Pete Gregg, uh, who you all know, and Bill Kahusak, who now runs the church that Pete Gregg uh, is from, which is Emmaus Road. Um, Pete Gregg, How to Hear God, and Bill Kahusak, That Gentle Whisper, which is much more of a kind of, um, I guess, anecdotal, lots of stories, lots of testimonies about his own life hearing God. And a lot of what you'll hear over this weekend, I'll take it from them because they're full of testimonies, but also lots of wisdom. Um, and they've obviously practiced it really well. Um, over this weekend, I, I don't want this just to be a talk. I want us to be practical about it. I want us to be listening to God. I want to be encouraging you to be listening to God during our talk, but also during our time where we may be alone, where we're going outside, um, you know, where we're fellowshipping together. Um, I've put a few things down here that I just want to encourage you over the weekend to use. One is um, just some cards, some green bits of card, and um, the offering <laughs> box of my church. So we're, we're not going to get an offering this Sunday. Um, what I want you to do, if you feel a really strong impression from God during this weekend, you have a word of encouragement for someone else in the room, I just want you to write it down. It might be a scripture, it might be something that comes to mind when we're worshipping, when we're out, or just when you look across the room and see someone. A word of encouragement, and that's, I do want to encourage the encouragement. It's, it's, it's a word to encourage the person, not, I think you need to give up your job, or anything like that. You know, that let, let's try and use this opportunity to bless each other. So if you feel there's an encouragement you have for someone else, Write it down, stick it in there, and, and I'll read them out maybe uh, tomorrow evening or, or Sunday morning. If you've got a verse that comes to mind for a specific person. On the back of that, we've also got um, favourite Bible verses which you've asked to read. And, and again, what we'll do is we'll do something similar with those tomorrow. So I think Steve has asked you to think of your favourite Bible verse. So if you could bring them tomorrow, we'll do something similar with those. Um, yeah, let's just leave that for now. Just three rules, really, about what you write down. A, B, C. The A, B, C of writing a positive word for somebody else. Affirming, positive, encouraging. Biblical, as much as you know, it is, which is why it's helpful to be able to test it against the Bible. And Christ-like, something that Jesus might say to the person. Just like three simple rules. We'll come back to them again later on. Um, there we go. I thought it'd be helpful just to unpack a little bit about what's happened to me in the past couple of years. I'm aware that I know most of you really well, but some of you I don't know so well. It's great to meet Johnny this weekend. Um, I, I guess the story of my last two years has been about hearing God. Quite desperately. <laughs> um, when I was appointed vicar at St John's in uh, Broadbridge, which is just outside Horsham, um, it was four days after the first lockdown, after Boris 
announced that the whole country was going to lockdown was a Monday, I think the 21st of March, so two weeks next week. Um, I was licensed on the Thursday, my first Sunday service was the, sorry, I was licensed on the Thursday, my first service was on the Sunday. We couldn't move because no one was allowed to move. And so I was stayed, I stayed in Orpington, I was still in the Curates flat um, on Church Road. Church Road? And I did church on Zoom in Horsham for about five months. Um, we didn't know anyone, we'd never met, I think we probably met two people in the church up to that point. Uh, didn't know any of our neighbours, didn't know any of our horseship. Uh, talk about, you know, not having a clue. I mean, we, we literally were helpless. And I was desperate to hear from God. Um, Paul to listen. And together, over about four or five weeks, we sat and prayed. What were these avenues? What were these four things? These ways that God was going to bring people into his presence, into his fellowship. And they... All began with C, <laughs> um, as a good Anglican always thinks of. Um, I, I think God uses our intuition as well, so we'll come to that again. But anyway, these four C's were community, children, covenant, and conference. Odd words. And, and, and that's, again, something I want to pick up on. I think sometimes God speaks through the unusual. He doesn't. If something is obvious, sometimes I wonder whether it's God or me. Do you know what I mean? But if, you, if there's something a little bit random, a little bit out there, it, it's worth paying attention to it. I've learned that over the last couple of years. Pay attention to the unusual. Pay attention to the things that stand out. Covenant and conference were not two ways I would have thought that God was going to bring people into church. But I've learned that actually... Community is obvious, children is obvious, ways that people are drawn into church through children's events, through community events. But covenant, we spent a lot of time over the first year um, talking about our relationship with one another, our covenantal relationship with one another, and our covenantal relationship with God. And it enables us to build a really strong fellowship, I believe. Um, but also conference. And um, I've discovered there is a, a real strength in gathering together particularly as churches, and Horsham Churches Together is, is quite a strong group of different churches, and we meet together regularly as leadership. Um, and we've been able to put on a few events which have gathered people together. I mean, I was talking to some of the guys earlier about we had Doug Hawley come and do a children's event. Um, and it was really powerful. And it struck me when someone first suggested, shall we do uh, a children's concert or worship event? with Doug Hawley. It struck me that it, it ticked two of those boxes, children and conference. We're gathering together people from all over Horsham and it was going to involve children. I was like, yes. And it gave me faith because it fitted with what God had given me already, this picture of gathering together people. Um, and God works with us. He works with our intuition. He works with, uh, with, with, with his plans as well as ours. So I guess that's a long way around of saying I'm convinced, particularly because of my experience over the last two years, that God speaks. And he doesn't just speak 
when we're in crisis. He doesn't just speak when we ask him to. He's speaking all the time. And we just need to learn to listen. Um, and, and, and I'm convinced that it should be our actual, actual lifeblood. As Christians, it should be what we live off, hearing God daily, hourly, as, as often as we can. Um, I just want to unpack a little bit about a bit of scripture, just to back that up. After having said, you know, that the word of God starts with the Bible, and that's that's I want to keep coming back to that. If you ever want to test what God is saying, if you think God is speaking, it should have some uh, connection with something you know of God's character already from the Bible, from Scripture, from the person of Jesus. Take the most significant Scripture from all Jewish Scripture, the Shema, which is Deuteronomy um, 6, I think it is. Jews say this all the time. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. We all know that, don't we? We've all heard that lots. But what was the first word that I said? Hear, O Israel. Hear, O Israel. The most significant bit of scripture that Jews um, say is about hearing God. And Greg picks up on this and he says this. He said, before we can learn to love God with all our heart, all our soul and all our strength, that we say that at every community service we say, and you know, it's, it's within our own liturgy. Before we can do any of that, before we can love God, we must learn to listen. We must learn to listen. It says in Matthew, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. I want to come back to what I said a bit earlier, which is about what our motivation is, though. What is our motivation for hearing God? And, and this, I guess, is a warning about personal gain. You know, do we just want to hear God because we want to get something done? We want to sell our house. We need to hear from God. We need to sell it to the right person. We want to go on holiday. We should pray about where we're going to go on holiday. Someone called Frederick Meyer says this, So long as there is some thought of personal advantage, some idea of acquiring the praise and commendation of men, so we might be praying about something we're going to do so we can look good, it will be impossible to find out God's purposes concerning us. Maybe a bit more pertinent, Dallas Willard says this, My extreme preoccupation with knowing God's will for me may only indicate that I'm over-concerned with myself and not a Christ-like interest in the well-being of others or in the glory of God. I want to suggest that hearing from God is so much more than just what we're going to do tomorrow. Presumably, we all believe that we're going to have life eternal with God. When we die, we're going to live forever with God. That's a relationship that we're going to have forever. And so what if we looked at the subject of hearing from God as the beginning of that journey? Not just how we're going to get through the next 40 or 50 years. Because I think that's what we do. Most of us think we want to hear from God to get us through the next stage of our life. 
But what if we saw it as getting to know God? Which is something we're going to be doing for the rest of our lives forever. Bill Cahusak in his book, he says this, we want him to give us direction and he wants to talk to us about destiny. We ask, what should we do? He says, this is who you are. And hearing God is so much more than just what we do. It's about who we are. It's about identity. Remember Peter in, um, in the Gospels. Peter has a conversation with Jesus. And Jesus gives him a new name. He says, you are Peter. You are a rock. Step into what I have for you. Calls the future into our present. And that's what he does to us when he speaks to us. So I don't want us to look at hearing God just to prepare us for the next thing. I want us to look at it as preparing ourselves for an eternity with him, I guess. That's, that's what I'm saying. And it's, it's not a quick fix, is it? It's not quick. You know, there are so many things in nature that take a long time. Think about um, a glacier creating a valley. It doesn't happen overnight. It takes thousands of years. And so for us to be um, moulded into the person that God wants us to be, it's going to take time. We need to invest in it. And we can be certain God has already invested in it. And so I just want to repeat that. I, I just don't want us to fall into the trap of seeing God as some great benefactor of gifts that just gives us what we want, gives us what we need, protects us, keeps us safe. Because sometimes he doesn't keep us safe. Sometimes he can't keep us safe, dare I say. Stuff happens in life that God can't prevent because they happen because of other people and I mean, look at Ukraine at the moment. God doesn't promise to keep us safe from war, from harm. The promise is not that God will never allow any evil to come to us, but that no matter what happens to us, we are still beyond genuine harm because he's with us. He remains with us and will always be with us, no matter what happens. I went to a funeral of um, a, a woman in Horsham, um, who everyone knows in Horsham. She's become a bit of a celebrity because she's had terminal cancer and um, she has been publicly talking about preparing to die well and had a national podcast and stuff like this. And I went to a funeral and it was the most extraordinary combination of joy and celebration and an obvious sadness. But there was this moment of just, um, I think the word I, I read in one of these books that it, it made, knowing God makes the sickbed sweet and the graveside triumphant. What an amazing phrase. It makes the sickbed sweet and the graveside triumphant. Because we know it's not the end. Because we know that having invested in our relationship with God all our lives, that we're going to continue it beyond death. If we see hearing from God now, 
as investing in that in the future. I just want to quickly say what hearing God is not, and then I'm going to finish with a bit of just one more scripture. I think hearing God is not God's distinct instructions. Some people, I think, want God to tell them what to do so that they don't have responsibility. <laughs> God tell me what to do and then, and then it's your fault. We're not robots. God has not designed any of us to be autonomous. Autonomous? No, what's the other word? Robots, anyway. We're not robots. God doesn't just tell us what to do and we can get on with it. That's not the way he's designed us. We don't surrender our initiative. God works in partnership with us. We read all the way through Scripture that God loves us and he wants a relationship with us. He wants to use our intuition, our abilities, our intellect. So God is not controlling every moment of our lives. So hearing God is not a, a blind force which rigidly controls us. And we mustn't treat God's will as just fate. Because otherwise we end up describing... I mean, how do we describe what's going on in Ukraine? That's our perspective on God. Not all that happens is God's will. There's a bit in the Bible, if you remember, there's a, there's a, there's a parable of a servant who, uh, there's three of them, and one of them gives his master his money back. You know, he, he trusts them with the same amount, and then one gives them ten back, one gives them five back, and one goes, oh, here's your one, I buried it. You can have it back. Because I knew you were really mean, so you can have it back. Because I was scared. We're not slaves with a harsh master. That's not who God is. We're those who, who he's invested in. He's invested in us. And he trusts us to go and do something with our lives. And so when he speaks to us, he wants us to use our intuition and to think and to react. Hearing God is not like Bible roulette. Um, I'm sure you may well have heard the story, whether this is true or not, I kind of hope it's not, but there's a, apparently somebody who said, Lord, I want to know what to do today. Opens the Bible, first verse he sees and reads, Judas went and hung himself. And he thinks, oh, okay, I better confirm that word with another word. Opens to the next passage and he says, go and do likewise. <laughs> Um, now I hope that's not true and I don't advise anyone to ever open the Bible and just read the first verse and think that's God speaking to them because that's not how it works. It takes prayer, it takes the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about lots of different um, ways of hearing God over the next couple of days. But we can't just summon up God. God. He's not a genie that is available to us. I don't know if you know the story of Saul in the Bible, in Samuel, 1 Samuel. Saul tries to summon up God. Samuel's not around, so Saul starts doing all the 
priestly things because he thinks, well, come on, God, you know, this is all we need to do to get God. And at that moment, Samuel turns up and he says, that's it, you've lost it. You're not going to be king anymore. You've lost God's favour. Because God isn't like that. He's not a cosmic butler available to our own you know, bidding. But he cares about us and he wants to invest in us. God is desperate to speak into our lives because he's preparing us for eternity. And I just want you to retain that tonight as we go back to our rooms. Just remember that, that God loves you and that he is preparing you for eternity with him. That's why he wants to speak to your life. And he wants to have a permanent conversation with you all the time. I just want to read a verse from Isaiah 58 and finish. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry for help and he will say, here I am. If you remove the yoke from among you, the pointing of the finger, the speaking of evil, if you offer your food to the hungry and satisfy the needs of the afflicted, then your light shall shine and rise in the darkness and your gloom will be like the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your needs in a parched place and make your bones strong and you shall be like a water garden, like a spring of water whose waters never fail. And so what I want to talk about in the next couple of days is, is developing a conversational presence with God, a conversational relationship with God, where it's so natural that we know the affirmation from Him. And yes, it comes with guidance. Yes, it comes with uh, an intuition, I guess, eventually. Just like any other relationship, you begin to develop you anticipate what they're going to say, what they're going to do. And that's what God wants for each one of us. He wants us to know Him in that intimate way. So I think I'm going to leave it there. Tomorrow I want to look at how God speaks to us in so many different ways. And we're going to look at Scripture first of all. So if you've got a Bible, it'd be great to bring it tomorrow. Um, or just your phones, I guess, back on that. And then we're going to look at different ways that, uh, as well as Scripture, that God might speak to us in nature and through other people. Mm-hmm. But let me just pray for us before we uh, finish up. Father God, we thank you that, that knowing you is so much more than us just knowing what your will is for tomorrow and how we can get through the next day. But we thank you that you you created us for an eternal relationship with you. And Lord, I'm sorry where we have limited that and only prayed and only sought your face when we needed something. Lord, I pray that over these next couple of days we might grow in depth of knowledge of you, of your love for us. 
that we would grow in confidence to speak to you at any moment, and that you would open our ears, Lord, that we might see. That we might see you in one another, we might see you in Scripture. That we might be those that are walking with our God.